OVS orbit. The perfect, the, the perfect. <laughs> I'm gonna try again. Okay, clip. Oh my god, I'm so nervous though. Welcome to OVS Orbit, the podcast for open research users and developers. This is episode 39, recorded in Kal- uh, Killarney Island. <laughs> All right, thanks, Lena. That's Lena Chalabitich, everyone. Actually, this episode wasn't recorded in Ireland, but I'll have that one coming up soon. Instead, this is the second of two interviews that I conducted at SOSR 2017, the Symposium on SDN Research, in April. This episode is a discussion with Ahmed El Hassani, a second-year PhD student at ETH Zurich. Ahmed researches ways to make networks more programmable and to verify the correctness of programmable networks. I caught up with Ahmed at SOSR to talk about the paper he presented there, Big Bug, Practical Concurrency Analysis for SDN. I'll leave the rest of the information on the paper to the interview itself. So, on to the interview. I'm here today at uh, SOSR, the Symposium on SDN Research, and I'm talking to Ahmed El Hassani, uh, who's a PhD student at ETH Zurich since 2015. And he studies uh, how to make networks more programmable and how to verify the correctness of programmable networks. And he's published a few different papers on how to find bugs in SDNs, like the SDN Racer papers that were at SOSR 2015 and PLDI 2016. And now at SOSR 2017, he's publishing a sequel uh, called Big Bug. Uh, before we jump into the research, do you want to say anything more about yourself? Uh, first, thank you for inviting me to this podcast. Uh, and thank you for the introduction. Um, so the idea there is um, uh, we would try to f- try to see how we can make SDN works better and how to verify the current network. And this is one of the things that um, Big Bug and SDN Racer we were trying to aim uh, for. Great. So uh, when you set out to solve it, what what problems really motivated the, the research? Did you have a, a direct interest in finding these problems, or was it something that uh, came to you from externally? So uh, before actually joining ETH Zurich, I was actually working with the Scott Schenker group at uh, UC Berkeley. And there we were working, I was the late addition to a team that works on troubleshooting SDN controllers. And uh, what we were set up for to doing at that point was if I have a controller that exhibits bugs, how many events that actually would are, uh, we need to trigger that bug. If I run my controller for a day and then it crashes, how many of these events were actually the ones causing this crash so that I just look at five events rather than a day of log. And then we said, like, okay, uh, we can narrow down the number of events that actually uh, will cause a controller to crash or something happening wrong in the network. Now, the next question is how, why this events actually crash, why these events actually cause the problem in the network. And here, let me just get step back a little bit and say, what we really exactly the type of bugs that we were trying to solve in this case. What we're trying to solve is things what we call in normal programming sense is concurrency violations. If you're coming, if you have done before a multi-threaded program, you will know that you have some shared variables. And if you need to 
organize and orchestrate the read and write for these shared variables. If you have wrong order, you might end up with some bugs, for example, deadlocks where your program gets stuck, or you might have wrong variables. Similar things can actually happen in SDN. And, and for SDN case, what we actually assume is, so we will assume that the, the flow table is essentially some memory location. And when you have a packet coming through your network, when the, when the flow table actually looks, when the switch looks up a flow entry in the flow table, that's essentially a read operation. And when the controller writes to the, to the flow table, that's basically uh, a write operation to the flow table. And what we're trying to do here is, if you have actually wrong read and write operations on the flow table, you might actually end up with a very serious bugs in your controller, like uh, forwarding loops, for example, or some you might violate some policies in your network. And the, the main goal of our work here is how we can detect these kind of bugs and how we can help the control developers to easily troubleshoot these bugs. That makes a lot of sense. So if I'm understanding right, you took uh, SDN concurrency, you took events in SDN, and you drew an analogy to uh, events that, that happen within a computer as opposed to within a distributed system. Yep. And then you used uh, uh, techniques that are normally applied to these uh, problems within a single computer. Exactly. So or maybe a cluster of computers, uh, it's the same thing. So a network, in essentially, a network, what it's really doing is really a huge, gigantic, distributed asynchronous system. And there is a lot of events happening. There is memory locations being read or written to, and these are the flow tables and the switches. And we use similar techniques to what um, other uh, researchers have done for typical concurrent programs. Sure. So uh, I bet a lot of our, our listeners don't understand uh, the, the technicalities or, or the, the, the ways that researchers look at these errors in concurrent programs. Mm. So how would you start out by saying what is a, a concurrency error in, uh, in the terms of the research? So let me draw up from a very practical bug that we actually found in um, the load balancer application that is shipped with Floodlight. So in Floodlight, is a very simple application that basically balances traffic across multiple replicas. So when um, a new request comes to the switch, the request will go to the controller. The controller will select a replica, let's say replica 1, and then sends two messages back to the switch. One is a flow mod where it instructs the switch to send the packets to the replica 1, and the other one is a packet out event where it's sent back the packet that was initially sent by the request. However, in the floodlight controllers, they decided to choose to say for the packet out. Uh, they did not specify which port where the packet should exit. They should just read the flow table again. I assumed I actually sent you a flow mod that will tell you how to read this packet. However, in the open flow specification, if there is no specific barrier requests between the messages, the switches might reorder the packets, actually, can process these two messages at different orders. And the results actually might vary. So if the switch processed the flow mod first and then the packet out second, that is correct. But if the switch choose to flip the order, and it's allowed to because the specifications allows it to, to do so, what happens is 
the float, the switch will again say, oh, I don't have flow entry, and it will send back to the controller, and then the controller will send another replica, another replica, and that, 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 that bug can go forever, actually. You will have the same request being sent back and forth between the switch and the controller, and that's basically will, the traffic will not pass through at all, and you just end up the controller and the switch being playing um, like ping pong together, which is not funny. Um, this is one example of a concurrency violation that is easy to fix. However, detecting it, detecting such violations is really hard, actually. Right. So I think that a lot of people don't realize that OpenFlow allows switches to reorder the messages that it receives however it likes, as long as they aren't separated by an OpenFlow barrier. What I don't know, though, is whether many switches in practice actually take advantage of that. It, was this something that you encountered as a, a theoretical kind of concern, or was it something that actually occurred in a real system? Well, um, what we really uh, found out that actually most controllers w did not take in consideration that OpenFlow switches the, uh, does this reordering. Oh, okay. So the, the controllers weren't really paying attention to this at all? At all. Um, there has been some work in academia for building concur uh, controllers that will have consistent updates and guarantees that your updates will be correct in the network. However, these are more academic projects and never got actually deployed in production. And they would require some very advanced research type programming languages and systems to actually implement and never got into production. What we really set up for is how we can take the, con the current production controllers and we tested our work with Floodlight, Box, and Unus, which are popular uh, in production networks that we, uh, are currently available. And we say like, okay, researchers have produced verifiably correct controllers, but these going to have really high, hard time to be uh, deployed in production because it's really hard to deal with these controllers. Let's take the control production controllers and see how we can fix them. If we can find the bugs in them and how we can fix them such that we will get the, the correctness guarantees that we want and the ease of programming for these controllers and the wide deployment of these controllers. That sounds like a really good idea. And uh, so you, you published the, the SDN uh, racer paper, and how, how, did it actually, how does it actually solve these? So SDN racer, uh, to use it, is a very simple thing. What we, we really need from a control developer, they can bring their own controller in whatever language they wrote it. And what we really need is to run this controller in a test environment, and we have to collect all the read and write events that was issued by the controller. You can do this easily by slight modification to the OpenV switch, for example. Uh, however, for our purposes, we implemented a small Python switch that is a little bit more similar, so it was easier for us to modify. So you're talking about reading and uh, about recording reads and writes exactly. on the switch side? Exactly. Or on the controller side, or on both? The con whatever the controller issue. So basically, we track the whatever the controller uh, actually sends to the, to the switch. Oh, so when you say reads and writes, you mean OpenFlow messages exactly. in this case. Okay. So okay. We, uh, we actually read the OpenFlow messages, the packets that have been traver traversed in the network. So that, that's pretty easy to do. Yes. You just need to record OpenFlow messages exactly. and packets in the network? Exactly. Okay. That's what we need to do. And then, um, however, there is one tiny th 
uh, detail that I wish if controllers have. Um, most implementations that at least I dealt with did not really uh, honor the XIDs fields in the OpenFlow. Did not honor having correct transaction IDs. So I have we didn't really have good indication if a bucket in was sent to the controller and then the controller issue few flaw mods, whether those are a result of the bucket in or not. Oh, can you tell me more? Um, usually the, the transaction ID is only in, in reply to a, a request. True. Um, and I, I don't normally think of a, uh, a packet out or a flow mod as being in reply to a, a packet in. So what we really needed there is to, because in, um, in SDN actually what really happened is we have two sources of ordering events. One is the barrier request, which is the obvious one. And the second one is the causality between event. And what I mean by causality is, for example, if I have a bucket in and then the controller issues a uh, flow mod in response of that, then I have causality between them, which is explicit ordering. I don't need any barriers between them. I need any synchronization. Um, to understand this relation was a bit hard for us. And um, what we ended up doing is adding a few lines of code to the each controller just to say, okay, when you issue a flow mod as a result of a bucket in, tell me which bucket in did you do it. Um, in our implementations, that was less than 100 lines of code change in all the controllers that we have done. So it's a pretty easy change that is insignificant. So uh, so now the controllers tell you about the causality that was, was hard to infer. Exactly. And we didn't want to touch or analyze the controller code. That's the only piece of information that we actually needed from the controller. Uh, we can work without it, but um, it would be nicer to have it. Um, so, what, so to come back to the original question, what we need is just this event, what we call event trace. Uh, what ba which packet flow the network, what flow, uh, flow mods were issued, and what packet ends were issued. So, and then our system as the racer will take this uh, trace and would analyze it. And then we'll see, okay, which events were ordered and not ordered. Uh, the one that were ordered is fine. The one are unordered, that means the switch can reorder them. However, not all the reorderings are harmful for your network. For example, if you have two writes, that, two flow mods that can be reordered, however, they are affecting two different flows in your network. These are safe. Like, you, you can reorder them. It's, it's not going to affect each other. So with the smart thing that we have done in SDN Racer is to try to report only the concursive violations that might be harmful for your network that will maybe create a forwarding loop or violate some policy. And that's the main goal was for SDN Racer, how we can take an event trace from a controller, for example, in a, a quality assurance in a QA environment or something like that, or out of production logs of a controller, and then how we can tell how many true concursive violations in that trace. That and we just report this to the developer. Tell them, okay, you might have these concurrency issues in your controller. Okay, so it sounded to me like up till this point, you were talking about taking something from an SDN controller and switch, yeah. and sort of mapping it through an analogy to yep. something that you could have applied to, say, a memory-based uh, race detector. True. But but now it it sounds like you went beyond that and you came up with some. Uh, SDN-specific rules, heuristics, to, to determine which of those are actually harmful. True, and that's what distinguishes us from the classical uh, concurrency analyzers for normal software. Um, and so what we have here is we have a very um, well-defined model that we built that models 
how SDR network will behave, how the switch will behave according to the open flow specification. And this is what actually dis differentiates SDN racer from just using off-the-shelf concurrency analyzer that many of them exist right now. So what we really have is have the knowledge of the SDN network, the specifics of SDN network, such that we just only report the violations that might be hurt, that might be harmful for your network. So uh, your your paper uh, had an evaluation section. So uh, how how effective is it in practice? Uh, how many of the concurrency bugs was it able to find? How how long did it take? Uh, you know, are there things that it missed? What what's sort of the uh, the the effectiveness of SDN Racer? So in SDN Racer, we evaluated across multiple applications and multiple controllers. In particular, we took Floodlight, Box, and Unus. I believe uh, the similar technique can be applied to Open Daylight, but just we didn't really have the time to uh, use it. Um, we found some serious bugs actually in these controllers. For example, in Floodlight Load Balancer, as I mentioned before, um, there is a, a simple bug, but actually it might create forwarding loops in the network. And in our paper, we show how exactly this forwarding loop might might uh, occur in box, for example, in the forwarding um, in the forwarding application, uh, we found out that actually the forwarding application, whenever a flow expires in the network or like um, a, fl a flow entry expires in the network, it will erase everything in the network and start over again. Oh, wow! Yeah, <laughs> that is a big one. Yeah, uh, it's easy to solve. However, like detecting such bugs is a bit hard, especially. The behavior that you might see in the network might not really relate directly to the bug. You will see in the floodlight, you will never know, like, okay, I have a forwarding loop, but you would not think that, okay, I just missed one barrier somewhere, and that's the cause of that loop. Uh, so that's the the point of SDN Racer is to, okay, pinpoint exactly. You might have a forwarding loop because of these two events were not ordered. Just figure out somewhere to order them, and you will be fine. So is the fix to any one of these bugs simply to insert a barrier? Um, in most cases, yes. Uh, I cannot generalize because sometimes it's not about the barrier itself, and sometimes you have to reorder the way you update the switches. So, example, if you have, if you have multiple switches on the path and you have uh, a bucket in on the first switch, and then you want to update the entries for the entire path. Um, ideally, some some controllers implement, they do the updates on the switch as in the same order of the path, and then they send the packet. So by the time the packet gets to the second switch, the update might not be committed yet in the flow table, and then goes back to the controller, and the controller might choose a different path, and you end up with uh, some missy situation there. However, if the controller, for example, did update the switches in the reverse order and only send the packet back to the network when it's ensured that the update all the switches on the path of the packet have been updated, uh, then you will avoid this, uh, such problems. So that problem, it, it's more of a performance problem than a correctness problem? In this case, in the simple example, when you have only one path, yes, it's a performance problem. But if you have um, a load balancer application where the choice the controller will make on the packet uh, is different at every time the back it sees the packet. For example, in the load balancer, every time it sees a new packet, it assumes a new request, and it will select different replica. Um, in this case, actually, it might violate the correctness because your flow will be 
spread across replicas because the controller chose multiple replicas for the same flow. Okay, because the flow that it uses is non-deterministic. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. So, so far, we've been talking just about SDN Racer, yep. but what you presented or what you are presenting at SOSR is, in fact, an extension of that called Big Bug, right? Yep. So, what does Big Bug add to the picture? So, in SDN Racer, what we did is to go from how we can detect uh, concurrency evolution in SDN networks. Big Bug, the main goal of it was how we can troubleshoot and make troubleshooting these concurrency issues. Uh, easier task for the developer, and and what we have observed there in you actually might have thousands of concurrency violations in your network. However, you might have only two or three bugs, but just because of the nature of the network, we have you know thousands of packets driving your network. The same bug might be triggered again and again and again and again. And if you as a control developer and you see like thousand concurrency violation you'll be like what this is too much um so what we try to see is like okay how we can map these concurrency violations to actual bugs and the main idea is how we can cluster these violations in groups such that each group roughly corresponds to a bug in the controller Mm -hmm. so uh when, when i hit situations like that usually my uh my my first reaction would be to find a bug that looks easy to fix, and then rerun the, uh, the, the, the analysis. That's true. However, concurrency violations are undeterministic, so you might not actually see it in the next run. So using like your classical trace and see, like, okay, I'm going to use my debugger. I'm going to see where the events go. So because some of these are undeterministic, and you cannot really replay them with a traditional debugger. That's one. Uh, second is... Um, as a developer, you ha- your time is precious, and you need to focus on the, the, the bugs that are more serious for it. If you have a big controller, you have multiple requests coming at you, and then you need to prioritize somehow, I want to focus on this problem now and the other problem now. You might pick some vi- report, a violation report randomly, and that report only affects 10 violations out of the 1,000. So you will not really achieve that much um, by solving that, though you might spend a day or a week on that uh, violation. You really ideally want to know, okay, how many bugs do I have in my controller? Which are the ones that are most serious? Which one I should prioritize first? Uh, because developers, for developers, time is a really costly thing, uh, and they need to have a better vision of how to allocate their resources. That makes sense. So uh, you said it works by, by clustering. Do you want to go into any more details on, on how that works? So the clustering here, um, we have two mechanisms to cluster. The first thing is a very intuitive thing, which is the same sequence of events might trigger the same bug. So if we have identical set of events, we say, like, okay, these are belonging to the same group. And this is the base of our clustering. However, not all the bugs are triggered by the same sequence of events. Let's assume, what if the packet traverses two switches before it hit the controller or three switches before the, hit the controller? Then I will have different sequence of events. However, it might be the same bug being triggered. So what we did here is we came with a very um, domain-specific um, set of features that we use to measure the distance between or the relation between different uh, concurrency violation reports. And we use this distance basically to cluster the, the violation reports that are close to each other. And basically we just use a clustering algorithm to group the violations that are close to each other in one group 
And we, from our uh, experimental analysis, it showed actually, yes, when we group, um, this grouping actually would result in clusters that are very close to the number of bugs in the controller. So you might take a few thousand bugs and end up with a, a, a single-digit number of clusters. Yep, that's exactly the case. Uh, for example, in floodlight, uh, we, um, you might, like SDN Racer might report 4,000 uh, violations, and all of them are correct and true. However, we are, like uh, with big bug, we report only three out of the 4,000. And actually, if you solve, and we tried to say, like, okay, we have three bugs, let's take them and solve them. You see, like, let's put ourselves in the shoes of a control developer. Let's solve this. And we found that, actually, if we solve these three, 99.9% of these violations will just disappear. So you end up with uh, a small number of clusters, but each of those clusters has a large number of bugs in it. How does a developer decide which one to look at? That's true. So that's we made their job even easier there. So we what we use there is we use a ranking function. So if the cluster have thousands of reports, we use a ranking function that will select the one that is the most representative, that carries the most number of features in the cluster, and the smallest. Uh, so it's easier to for a developer to look at and, and uh, examine. So in practice, in your evaluation, how how fast uh, was it and, and how effective was it uh, in, in your experience? So both SDN Racer and BigBug are meant to be offline analysis tools, either to, um, to work in a QA environment or to work out of... Um, uh, event traces that collect from production environment after a controller exhibits some uh, a bug in production. Um, and uh, for the most of the cases, we end up uh, finding and uh, doing all the reports within a few minutes. Uh, I assume for longer traces, it might take a little bit more, but usually within a few minutes, you can have all your reports and the number of and the bugs that. Uh, the the violations that are more representative of the bugs in the controllers ready for you, and then you can look at them. So one of the keys here would be how much overhead does it put on the controller to do the the logging that's that's necessary? Is is that a low enough overhead that it could be done for a, a a busy controller with high scale? So the logging, most of the logging is done actually on the SDN switches on the switch on the switch itself. So, well, same question for the switch then. Yes. Um, the logging is not as um, as um, as high. Oh, it we really record everything. That's you have large number of things events being recorded. Um, that's true. But however, just keep in mind this is not going to be in production. This is not going to interfere with your normal traffic. This is something you're going to run in your QA environment. And here I'm going to put uh, I'm going to go a little bit in the theoretical detail about SDN Racer. Our model assumes um, all uh, possible reordering of events. So if you run uh, SDN Racer once in a controller under given scenario, then your controller, controller is going to be guaranteed for any possible run for that scenario. And this is a more of a theoretical uh, result. So, uh, so you, yes, you, you will have to run SDN Racer once in your um, QA, QA, QA environment. Make sure your controller is correct for the given environment. That once you validate it's correct, then you you can go with confidence, deploy it in similar environment in production, and it's not going to exhibit any concurrency bug that you already solved. 
That sounds like a pretty strong property, and it's hard for me to intuitively understand why to expect it. Do you have an argument for it? Yes. So what we do here with SDN Racer is we don't really observe the reordering of events in the switch. What we really do is say, like, okay, let's assume all the possible things that the switch can reorder. And for if there is any possibility that are two events that are going to be reordered by the switch, we tell the control developer, hey, these two events might be reordered. So if you go to production, regardless of the implementation of the switch, whether it's uh, reorder events or doesn't reorder events, the same uh, correctness guarantee is going to hold. Oh, I see. So it's a proof over all the possible permutations of events that happen between barriers, in essence? Exactly. Okay. So uh, do you plan to do more work along these lines? Is there a third paper in the works? So right now, um, in, a, in the SDN context, um, uh, for SDN Racer and BigBug, we worked only with OpenFlow 1.0. Uh, there is more work needed to do with, uh, open, with the later versions of OpenFlow. And um, the challenge there is um, the memory, mo- the memory model changed uh, in OpenFlow 1.3 when they have multiple tables and you have a pipeline set up, which is completely different model of the memory than just a single table in OpenFlow 1.0. So there is some work need to be the, the done there to extend the work for open th- uh, for the most recent versions of OpenFlow. Um, is, is that mostly programming work, or is there new theory to be developed? Uh, the theory is going to be the same. It just you have to adapt the model to the to the recent specifications, and um, for um, the uh, this other side is a bit more researchy, which is in the when we have this domain specific features that we base the clustering on. That was a result of us going through various bug reports and looking at the reported violations and study them one by one. Um, Now, someone might use machine learning algorithm basically to learn these features from the violations automatically so you don't have to um, spend hours and hours learning these features. We we found seven features that we used in our implementations. These were good enough for us, but I believe there are more features that will relate these concurrency violations and will give you even more accurate results. I see. So is there anything else that you'd like to say before we we wrap up? Anything more about SDN Racer or, or anything else? I believe these tools are might be helpful for the community, for the SDN developers, uh, control developers in particular. And um, this um, these, feature, these tools are meant to help the developers to get really good correctness guarantees without having to deal with the formal research uh, type controllers that built to have formal correctness guarantees, which is really hard to deploy in production. So hopefully this will be like kind of a bridge between the two sides, the research side where you have formal guarantees and then the more practical production controllers. And I hope that um, some people will try to play with it and adapt it and maybe fix some of the existing bugs in the controllers. So it sounds like you've made them available. Where can people go to learn more? Yeah, so right now you can go to our uh, website, sdnracer.ethc.ch, and you can actually read our papers and go to our GitHub repo, and you can play already with the tools. Oh, that's great. I'll add links to all that in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. Is, what's the best way for people to, to contact you if they have questions? Should they uh, go to the website? Yeah, go to the website. My email is available there, and they can reach me by email. All right, great. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks. 
OVS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons Unported 3.0 license. The intro and bumper music in this episode is excerpted from Electro Deluxe by MyFreeMickey and the outro from Girls Like You by Stefan Kartenberg, both under the Creative Commons Attribution Unported 3.0 license. For more episodes of OVS Orbit, visit ovsorbit.org or for more information about OpenVSwitch, visit openvswitch.org.